This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. for you. A little bit of pop life. One of his great songs in his time and what an impact he has left on the music industry. We talked about that last week. Today, though, we're talking a little bit about his estate, which in some respects is in flux right now. Uh, Without a will, apparently, the question has become as to who are the heirs to the near $300 million fortune left behind? There are obviously some family members out there. There could be other entities that might have claim to a piece of this as well. And then there's also the question of the value of all of that music we have heard that is stored up in that big studio inside Paisley Park, his mansion, uh, outside Minneapolis. To take a look at his estate and the impact of it, we're joined on the phone by Judith Younger, who is a professor of law at the University of Minnesota, who specializes in wills and trusts. And she joins us on the phone, as does Mitchell Gans, who's professor of law at Hofstra University. Judith, great to have you on the show. Mitchell, great to have you on the show as well. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you very much. Judith, I guess the key right now is with with the court case, I guess, that's playing out today. What are we expecting that that we could potentially hear out of uh, what might happen in that courtroom this afternoon? Well, I certainly don't think that everything will be resolved, but it's a beginning, certainly. Um, I, I, I know that the petition for the appointment of a special administrator was given without notice to everybody, and this gives everybody an opportunity, everyone who might be interested, to appear and um, make themselves felt. Um, it looks to me as if, if there is no will, which is terribly surprising, really, for a person who is supposed to have been so careful about his properties and controlling them. Uh, his heirs are his um, brothers and sisters. He has no uh, living, I mean, he has no present spouses. He has no descendants, no children, grandchildren. His parents are dead. So these are the children of his of his parents. Mitchell, what do you expect? Oh, I don't know. I think uh, this is, as, as Professor Younger says, this is uh, just the beginning of the administration of the estate. Uh, as, she, as Professor Younger says, it's kind of surprising that he didn't have a will. Um, and then as a result of that, obviously, uh, the estate will pass uh, what the lawyer is called to through intestacy, which essentially means um, to his close relatives, and in this case, it sounds like it would be his siblings and his half siblings. Um, but I think you know, there's a long way to go. This is just the beginning. Judith, as you kind of alluded to, this is a, you know a case that obviously will uh, will play out in the media as well. But it does really come back to the point that you mentioned that not having a will is 
it is a very dicey situation for this estate, but also it is for anybody. You know, I mean, it, it, whether you're a blue collar worker or a multimillionaire, if you don't have a, uh, have a will, you're really asking for trouble. I think you're absolutely right. Everybody should have a will, even if there's no property presently. Never know when you'll win that lottery. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you got the big Powerball that went off on Saturday, so you could potentially. Mitchell, from the tax perspective, how will this all play out for the heirs? Uh, before I jump into yep. the tax issue, let me just say, you know, I, I think that it's very good advice for people to certainly think about having a will. Uh, and there are a variety of reasons for people to have a will. Uh, I usually tell my students one important reason is uh, perhaps you have minor children and you want to provide uh, for a guardian in terms of who will take care of the children, yeah. who will actually raise them. Uh, in this estate, it, it may not be. I, you know, obviously, it's hard to know. We don't know all the details yet. In this estate, as a practical matter, at the end of the day, it may not be that problematic. I mean, you know, it'll go to his, uh, his siblings and half-siblings. Of course, we don't know what he would have preferred. Maybe he would have had a different plan in mind. We'll never know that. But it may not be that, that problematic as a practical matter. In terms of the tax issues, uh, there's obviously an interesting tax issue in terms of valuing his assets. Uh, when a person dies, uh, we have a federal and, in this case, I think a state, a state tax. I think Minnesota has an estate tax. Yes, it has. Yeah, so we have both a federal and state-of-state tax. Yep. The federal tax is uh, 40% above a certain exempt amount. And Minnesota is about 16. 16, I, I've read, yeah, 16. So, um, you know, so that can be up to about 56%. But then it doesn't actually come out to 56% because there's a – I don't want to get too technical here on the, on the radio, but there's a tax deduction on the federal return for the state tax – in any event, you know, probably somewhere around 48, close to 50 percent, would be the uh, a tax. That's but right. I, I think I think I should emphasize so that people don't get uh, anxious. Um, I think it's important to emphasize that the estate tax, the federal estate tax, only applies to people who die with an estate. I think of over this year, five million four forty-five. Uh, so people with yeah. under, I don't know about the exemption in Minnesota, Professor, perhaps Professor Younger knows that, but people who die with less than that don't have to worry about the federal estate tax at all. Uh, and indeed, even if you have more than that, uh, you could have $100 million. If you leave it all to your spouse, there's absolutely no federal estate tax. So I think people need to understand that because sometimes people can get uh, nervous about the tax, thinking, oh, my God, I have a million dollars or whatever it is, or even a few hundred thousand or even less than that, <laughs> and I, I'm going to be paying federal estate tax when I die, which is not true. So uh, I, I can go on about valuation, but I didn't want to cut off. Uh, yeah. Judy, did you want to say something? I'm sorry. I would like to ask you a question. Um, it's a tax question, um, which um, puzzles me a little bit. What about his right of um, publicity, yep. as it's called, um, which I understand to be the right to control commercial exploitation of name, image, and persona? We don't recognize that here, overtly at least, in Minnesota as a an inheritable or divisible property right. Um, it, does that still get included in his estate tax for, value for, for tax purposes? For, for tax purposes, you're asking? Yeah, right? for the federal tax purposes. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the answer to that. It's, it's kind of interesting. Um, I think so, but I don't know the answer. I'll, I'll give it to you. <laughs> I, I, the answer, I think, is this. Um, the answer is that 
given what I know about Minnesota law, which we can then talk about and perhaps you can fill me in on, but given what I know about Minnesota law, I actually think it's not likely that we will have, that, it, that the estate will pay a state tax on the value of his, of his publicity right. Well, let's and I go. Can explain why. Well, let's go back, Mitchell, first. And, and uh, for those people that haven't heard that term before, explain what right to publicity is. Well, I, I think what happens here is this: um, after death, uh, his image um, could be used in, for commercial exploitation. Right. And uh, his image, his name, and so forth. You know, you could you could imagine all kinds of things. Uh, I call it sweatshirts and cups. Yeah, very good, very good. That's, <laughs> That's kind of, true. That, that kind of caption. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of thing obviously has some value. Sure. And uh, the question becomes whether that's subject to estate tax. You know, in the Michael Jackson estate, um, when the, after his death, they filled out his estate tax return, his executor did. And on the estate tax return, they put down, I think it was about $2,000. Yeah, 2105 I saw. Right, which that was the value they indicated for his post That was just looking for trouble. <laughs> you think? Yes. Well, they didn't want to leave it blank, right? They didn't want to put down zero and be too aggressive. <laughs> right. So they didn't, want to, they didn't want to give anybody the impression they overlooked it. Overlooked it. So anyway, they put down $2,000, and the IRS, I think, is claiming that the value is somewhere in the $400 million plus range. So it's an, you know, obviously going to be a rather intense and interesting dispute about the value. He um, died in 2009, and they're still fighting over it. Yes, yes. So I think that the interesting thing about this, uh, from, a, from a lawyer's perspective anyway, and I don't know if, if uh, other people would be interested in it so much, but the interesting well, thing is that whether or not this publicity right is taxable depends upon where you live when you died. That seems to be the, that seems to be the rule. And so if in Minnesota, as Professor Younger says, um, I think she's saying there may not be a right to publicity post-death. And we can talk about what that means. Um, if well, we have case. no statute, Mitchell, or case law on the distinct right of publicity as an inherited property right. Did I yes. see that? Did I see that, that I guess there are about 20 or so states that actually do have this right to publicity and the, and the remainder of the states do not at this point? Yes. Yes, many states have adopted it. Um, this was a, there actually was uh, a, a huge litigation involving the Maryland Monroe estate. Right. And uh, as a result of that litigation, California adopted. I think it was a result of that litigation. California. It was a result of that litigation. Yes, yeah. And, and we've had a bill pending in New York here. See, in New York, um, we also uh, do not recognize this right. Um, and so in New York, we had a bill that was introduced uh, within the last year or so. Also, I think, precipitated in part, at least, by the Marilyn Monroe litigation. And uh, the bill has not passed, and I, I don't think there's uh, much likelihood it will pass, at least at the moment. I guess but, the I guess the interesting, sorry, sorry to interrupt, the interesting thing uh, about this whole situation right now, uh, Judith and Mitchell, Judith maybe first, is the fact that you have his estate, but you'd have so much that, in some respects, you don't know the value of. Like all of this music that we've heard about that, that he apparently has made and, and has recordings of, and it's held up in, in his you know, private studio inside Paisley Park. It's very hard to put a value on something that you realistically you don't know what the content is at this point. Well, that's true, and that's why part of the need for a special administrator um, to hear testimony on valuation and so on and so forth. See what's I, would there. Just, 
It's sure. hard to assess the value of it before it's released. Right, exactly. Maybe it's, maybe it's rotten stuff. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and this could be a huge dispute uh, for tax purposes. Yes. Uh, where you have to determine the value of the estate. Now, this is to be distinguished from the publicity right. That's a yes, completely that's different separate. matter. Right. Uh, because it may turn out, in this case, in as much as Minnesota apparently doesn't recognize this right under state law, uh, it may very well turn out that the publicity right will not be taxable, unlike the Michael Jackson situation where apparently it is taxable. It may turn out that in this case, his publicity right may be may may really have a zero value. For it, tax it all purposes. goes to the public. Goes to the public. Belongs essentially, to the public. essentially, in order for it, in, in order to include uh, or be required to include something in the estate for tax purposes, mm -hmm. the person who died had to have the right to decide where it should go. So, if he had a right under Minnesota law to determine through his will where it should go, right. then it's taxable. If he had no right under Minnesota law to determine where it goes, then it's not taxable. And it sounds like it may not be taxable. It may not be, but Minnesota hasn't said definitely no. It just hasn't decided it. Yeah. And it's conceivable that this court that started its hearings today might be might make the first decision and say, yes, indeed, it is a, an inheritable divisible, which means it can be left by will right here in Minnesota. Right. It's a lot easier to tax a, a declared right than not. That's very interesting. If the state court were to do that, uh, there's an interesting question about the impact that would have on the tax calculation. Yep. But in some respects, isn't this, I mean, this is going to potentially set up precedent uh, for a lot of these states that, that don't have this right to publicity, wouldn't it not, Judith? Yes, what is the question? I, I was going to say, this this case being forward, and because he doesn't have a will, and, and because there's no right to publicity in the, in the state of, of Minnesota, doesn't this case, since there really is no no track record in this type of a case before, uh, does this does this really set precedent for, for future cases down the road? Well, in Minnesota, sure, yeah. but not, not in um, New Jersey, for example. Okay. All right. <laughs> Eight four eight four four Wharton is the number eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. If you'd like to jump in and ask a question, we're talking with Judith T. Younger, professor of law at the University of Minnesota. Mitchell Gans, professor of law at Hofstra University. The other thing, Mitchell, that that kind of going back off of uh, something I said a minute ago is the fact that when you're talking about artists like Prince or or Michael Jackson, uh, Elvis Presley, if, you know Frank Sinatra, the value of whatever that person is goes on forever. I mean, because you think, you know, the music that Sinatra and Presley brought forward, that value is going to continue to go for, for decades upon decades. That's true, and, and that's kind of interesting in terms of valuing it. You know, obviously the fact that it could go on in perpetuity could make it, you know, extraordinarily valuable. Um, as I recall, I think that some of these statutes that have some of this legislation that's been passed, which, make, uh, which create this right of publicity post-death, for example, I think California, if I recall correctly, limits it to 70 years. Okay. So it doesn't go on in perpetuity. I, I think that's. I know that some of the statutes have a, uh, a limit like that, and I think California does. So that, that could be important. But in any event, you're absolutely right. Uh, the fact that it could go on for a very long time tends to indicate that it has a substantial value or more substantial value. 
but you know there are uncertainties with these kinds of things, right? How how long will this go on as a practical matter? Will they really be able to uh, create income from this for uh, for many 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 years into the future? Yeah. Uh, and all of that uncertainty tends to reduce the value of the asset. You know, really? in other words, when the ex- when the experts come in to testify. Uh, say we're in tax court trying to figure out the value of this thing for estate tax purposes, if that were to occur, uh, an expert who gets on and says, uh, this is what I think the value is, has to say uh, in their analysis, well, you know, there's some uncertainty here. And the fact that there's uncertainty may very well tend to reduce the value. I think that makes sense, doesn't it? Well, I, I was going to ask you why, because I, I, I would think it would be the other way around, wouldn't it, that the value would go up? But you're saying it actually would come down. Well, if you think about it, if you look at a comparable kind of investment, say, for example, a, a stock in the, in, that's traded in the market, some company, a new company that's got a very interesting product that could be uh, you know, extremely successful, uh, but there's a lot of uncertainty about it because you don't know if the product is going to catch on. Let's say, for example, an iPhone, <laughs> right? right, you know, right. In, in the early years when the iPhone was, or, or when Apple was just beginning, obviously its value was was much less than it is today because of the uncertainty. As the uncertainty gets resolved and we see that there really is interest in this product and uh, there is income coming in from the sale of this product and sales seem to be going up and up and up, that uncertainty gets resolved and the value accordingly, you know, goes up accordingly. Well, it goes back to also, uh, I bring that up because of the there was a recent story about how the Michael Jackson estate just sold back to the record company that they were in partnership with their stake in in Michael Jackson's music. So obviously that had a great value to, to that company in terms of the library and such. Now with Prince, we have all of this music that he supposedly produced uh, in his studios inside of his complex, I would think we have a great opportunity, depending on how the, the airs play it, uh, Mitchell, that we could see uh, just a, a, an unbelievable release of all of this music, or at least a marketing of this music to various companies relatively quick. No, no well, that's, question. That's the horror of his failure to have some kind of plan for management after his death. You need experts to handle it properly. You can't release the whole batch of music at once it's got to be marketed and sold and of course fashions and music change just the way fashions and clothes change uh there'll be a whole generation who doesn't care for prince's style coming up perhaps Um, it's it's more and more as you and the more we talk about it the more incredible it is to me that he left that unattended to right and it's it's possible, is it not, that a will will show up somewhere <laughs> soon? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I was. Remember, Michael Jackson, for anything you want to say about him, had a will, a carefully planned will, and a trust. Well, and that is that's kind of the the, the underlying theme of this conversation, uh, Judith, is the fact that for some reason somebody that was so careful about. Who had his music? You know, where his music appeared? You know, he obviously, as we talked on the show last week, he was very much in the battle for the marketing of this music on on on, uh, on online streaming services. The fact that he didn't have a will, I can't believe that there wasn't a will somewhere, uh, you know, along the lines in this. I find it hard to believe, too. But, of course, there's always a possibility that so many people share, and that is that everybody will die but not them. 
You know, it's interesting in terms of <laughs> yeah. in terms of having a will with this publicity thing. You know, since it's so could be extraordinary in value, as we see four hundred million dollars. Uh, at least that's what the IRS claims with Michael Jackson's estate. Yeah. One thing you could do if you did a will is you might leave your publicity right to charity. Yeah. Because if you leave money to charity. Sure. It's not taxable. Correct. So it eliminates the problem entirely. If, if I recall correctly, I think in the Robin Williams estate, his, I think in his will or trust, he did something like that. So that is an interesting way of handling this kind of problem. He strictly limited the way in which his persona could be used. Yeah, we, and I think there was charity involved, if I recall correctly. I, probably. You may very well be. Yeah, in order to eliminate the tax problem. Because the, the potential for the dispute is just amazing, as you see with the Michael Jackson estate. Actually, what, um, we, when we had written, I had written about this with, with two colleagues, uh, mm -hmm. uh, Professor Crawford, a uh, uh, practitioner in New York from Milbank Tweed, Jonathan Blomacher. We had written about this some years ago in connection with the Marilyn Monroe estate, and we were concerned about you know, the, the speculative nature of the value of this thing. I mean, how do you know what, yeah. what, you know, how do you pay tax on it now where some expert puts a value on it? We, you may never get that money in. And I'm guessing that this is not exactly the, the norm that the IRS has to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, putting a value on something that realistically you don't know what the value is going forward in the future. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's just incredibly speculative. And what happened was here was that the first case that established this idea that publicity rights could be taxable was a case where it really wasn't that speculative. Uh, it was an author who had died, and she had a contract uh, for another book, and the contract just hadn't been signed when she died. The contract was unexecuted at the moment of death. Mm -hmm. And so the IRS couldn't quite put that contract in her estate for tax purposes because it hadn't been signed. So in effect, the IRS came back at it through the back door and said, ah, we'll call it publicity rights. <laughs> Ingenious, they aren't they? <laughs> exactly. And so they made it taxable under that theory. Yeah. And so now we have this theory which seems to apply, could apply in, in many, many other cases. How long of a process, Judith, will this, th th this be in determining uh, who actually has the rights and, and who will be kind of the, uh, uh, the master to oversee the estate? I can tell you the special administrator has been appointed for a period, an initial period, of six months. Uh, but that can be extended. And, of course, if a will showed up and was probated, he would, the special administrator, which is a bank, would be replaced by the executor named in the will, if there was one. Um, it's very hard to predict that. It could go on for a very long time. There's already a suit. I don't know the details of it except to notice that it's been filed in the same court where this hearing is going on today, mm -hmm. in which some total stranger to the family alleges, and he's representing himself too, alleges that by virtue of some deals in California some years ago, uh, he's entitled to millions of dollars from the estate by virtue of implied contract. <laughs> it doesn't it means not well, necessarily a, a real contract, but one that he gathers from the facts. And, so and there's going to be a lot of that. And, and I was going to ask you about that, because I, obviously when you're talking about this much money and this much value, you know, the, the, the $300 million that we talked about, you also have the property in Minnesota, you know, so many different pieces. Do you expect, do you think that the, the possibility of this being a fight really grows that that much 
Well, I don't know if the family is going to be a, a divided family like Jackson's or if this is a united family, Prince's family. So there, those people, the, that's the family. Right. We'll see. They seem pretty quiet right now. But outsiders who've had dealings with Prince over the years, I have no idea how many of those there are. He certainly had plenty of managers and lawyers and um others who might have had dealings with him and claim rights as a result of that. Very hard to know how long you know, it would take. Long time, I suspect. Yeah. Kind of surprisingly or ironically, sometimes when you have a will, you tend to see more conflict inside the family, among the family members, than you would hear. For example, if he had had a will and he said, you know, I'm going to leave all of my estate to this sibling or that sibling and discriminate against uh, some other sibling you know, sure. so that it wasn't equal. There you could easily imagine all kinds of conflict about whether the will was valid and, and so forth. Here, you know, if he died without a will and all of the siblings get an equal share, there'll be none of that kind of conflict. That's right, and we don't treat half-siblings differently from whole siblings, so they would all share equally, yes. Mm-hmm. I, I guess there's potential. I mean, if someone came along, I think I saw something, I'm not sure, right. in, in the press, about possibly a, a child. If someone came along and said, you know, I oh, who knows? claim to be exactly a, a, <laughs> a non-marital child. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that could be interesting, and you could get into some interesting questions about whether indeed they are and whether that could be proven. Great to have you both on the show. Judith, thank you. Mitchell, thank you as well. Thank you. It was thank fun. You. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.